When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 189 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing all things eco-friendly entertaining. How can we host a holiday? How can we host a 4th of July barbecue without the overwhelm that often leads to cutting the corners that tend to put the planet last? Today, I am speaking with Lauren Groper, the founder and CEO of Repurpose. And if you've never heard of Repurpose before, where have you been? <laughs> Repurpose makes plant-based compostable tableware that takes our eco-friendly fets, our eco-friendly gatherings, our eco-friendly dinner parties to the next level. On today's show, Lauren and I are discussing how on earth we can entertain without overwhelm and without sacrificing the planet. Lauren, I'm so excited to talk to you today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Lauren Groper. I'm the founder and CEO of Repurpose. We make plant-based compostable alternatives to single-use plastic. And the items that we focus on are really kind of these everyday items that you use at home. So plates, cups, cutlery, you know, bowls. We're getting into a bunch of new products like Ziplocs that are home compostable and cling wrap and trash bags, which we have. So it's kind of an easy way to make your everyday more sustainable. And I'm also a mama. I've got two young kids. One is not so young. I mean, I guess kind of young. She's eight. And I have another toddler who's two and a half, two girls. I'm from Vancouver, Canada, but I've been in LA but more than 12 years now. And I've always been passionate about sustainability since I was, probably since I was a teenager or so, and went on to study environmental studies in college and did a degree in sustainable design in grad school. So I've always been very focused on kind of making the world a more sustainable place. And so Repurpose was just kind of a natural extension of that. A lot of your story really resonated with me, especially when you mentioned how you found yourself interested in sustainability as a teenager. I look back on my own life and it was the same for me. Even as a young kid, I was really concerned about the state of the planet, but for whatever reason, I didn't follow that passion. I took kind of a <laughs> a detoured way to get to where I am today. I wish I took your straight path, but you mentioned with regard to Repurpose that your products are home compostable. Is that all your products? 
So not all, we are working towards that, but maybe I should actually just break down kind of, there's so much confusion around all these terms. And I think it'd be worthwhile just to kind of dive into what each of them really mean on just on a basic level. So I'm sure a lot of people see the term biodegradable and that's kind of the buzzword that a lot of people know, but really that term is, is a little bit misleading because everything on the planet is technically biodegradable. You know, this computer is biodegradable. It just means it will eventually break down. There's no, there's no time frame associated with it. Whereas compostable, there is a time frame associated. It has to break down in a certain number of days or months. And in order for a product to do that, it needs a certain level of heat, humidity, and oxygen. When kind of compostable products first came on the market and when we started repurpose, the majority of our products were what they call industrially compostable or municipally compostable, which means it's got to go to one of these very large municipal industrial composters to break down because the technology was such that it needed a really high level of heat and a really high level of humidity and oxygen to actually break down. Now the technology has improved so much that the products can stay stable in a like in an ambient environment, for example, on the shelf or at your coffee shop or whatever at home. They're not going to break down because they are stable enough, but they have the ability in a backyard compost or in a backyard environment to compost within 12 months. So when something is labeled as home compostable, it means it has to break down within 12 months in that backyard environment. And that, I think, is is kind of the next phase and, and something that we were really pushing. So about 70% of our products are home compostable, and we're working to get all of them there. In some cases, the technology is just kind of not there yet. But it's super exciting because, to me, it's like, wow, if this can degrade in 12 months, that's phenomenal. Versus forever for plastic is a big one. <laughs> for me, it, it would be a no-brainer. But <laughs> I'm wondering if you can speak to the industrially compostable aspect to this conversation, because I know a lot of products, perhaps some cups and plates, let's say, are can only be composted in an industrial facility. However, the problem with that, at least in my location, is that the commercialized composting company does not take anything other than food scraps. So the compostable plates and the compostable silverware, they're just getting picked out once they get to that facility. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's one of the bigger issues with regard to this whole category. And I think the way I see it is that There's two sort of aspects to look at in terms of the sustainability of of a product in this category. One is the end of life. So where does it end up? Is it the landfill? Like if, like you said, if you, if you can't put it in an industrial composter, why would you buy it? And the answer really is you have to look at the upstream differences, meaning how is it made? What is it made from? What is the carbon footprint of making the product versus a standard plastic product? Are there toxic chemicals in this product versus the traditional product? And so once you look at sort of those impacts, what we call the upstream aspects, it still is a much more sustainable choice, even if the end of life means landfill. I just wanted to say what I think you're saying in another way, and please correct me if I'm wrong. But what I think you're saying is that 
the upstream, I believe you called it, for the plastics, the plastic products on the market, they require the fossil fuels. They create the plastic that's going to stick around for 800 plus years. So even if you are not going to compost this plate, the compostable option is still preferable to the plastic option because the fossil fuels were not extracted. The plastic was not manufactured. Is that what you're saying? Correct, because it takes significantly less water, significantly less energy to actually make a compostable product than it does a traditional plastic. So if you're looking at them side by side and have to pick one or the other, even if they're going to the same place, i.e. a landfill, it is still a much more sustainable choice to pick the compostable product. Yeah, that's a really important distinction for listeners who either A, don't live in a municipality that offers composting, or B, does not home compost, right? The compostable option is still coming out on top for those listeners. I'd love to pivot and talk to you about one of the things that I absolutely genuinely love to do, which is entertain. <laughs> I love opening my house. I'm probably in the minority with this. I understand, but I really oh, do. <laughs> yeah, I love entertaining. And the problem, however, comes that entertaining is a lot of work. And I feel as though I'm probably like most people, I feel the pull of cutting corners, right? Using the disposable plates or perhaps just at the end of night, not separating the contents of everybody's plates into the recyclables and the compostables and the trash. And just, you know, it's tiring. It's hard work to entertain. So I really want to talk to you about your best tips today to entertain the eco-friendly way without necessarily feeling that pull to cut corners. Let's go ahead and start with the dividing of waste, because this is another problem that I face. I do believe and I do advocate for, you know, offering the three bins for trash and having the guests, you know, separate their own trash from their own recycling, from their own compostables. However, I feel as though that like asking my guests to do that can feel awkward, especially for guests who aren't in the habit of separating their own trash in their own home. What thoughts do you have here? Definitely an issue because you don't want to be kind of like the bossy, (laughs) the bossy house that nobody wants to return to. I, I don't necessarily ask people to separate. I actually think that may be a smart thing because people may may just be not bothered by it. And that might be something that they don't mind doing. But I think the culprit here too is, is plastic, is, is evil plastic. Because in reality, if we talk about what is being recycled and what is actually not being recycled, glass is recycled, aluminum is recycled, cardboard is recycled, paper is recycled. Plastic is recycled at a rate of about 8% globally. So all the plastic bottles, et cetera, are not necessarily recycled. So if, for example, we can just create a party, like I like to say sort of like no plastic party and guests know like if they're going to bring drinks or something, bring it in a can or bring it in a glass bottle or what have you. I think that eliminates a lot of sort of like unwanted waste from the get-go. And so the more that I think off the top, you can kind of create these in, in a way, it's kind of fun, you know, it's like, okay, we're having a no plastic party. Then people have to be creative about what they're bringing in, what they're bringing in in. And that way at the end, you're not left with a ton of separation. You know that all the paper and cardboard and aluminum glass are going to be recycled. And that's kind of an easy, you as the host, like 
not terrible cleanup, you know, to be able to do that. And, and what can be composted is going to be composted. And then you've just got a little bit of garbage left, but I think that off the bat removes just a lot of the headache to begin with. Yeah, I love that. A no plastic party. So do you shout from the rooftops when you're inviting yes. people yes. over that it's a no plastic party? Yes. On the group text, it's, hey, guys, no plastic party. And people get creative. People like to kind of be creative. And, and it's not a huge ask. It's not like such a heavy lift. You know what I mean? I feel like it's it's one that people can make. And it's just having people be conscious of it. It makes them think about their choices and it's not, it's like, do it with joy. This is not about like shame and guilt. It's just, yeah, no plastic. Let's have fun with this. Let's be creative about it and, and take the shame and the guilt away. Yeah. It's like, as the host, the way that you present the no plastic party idea to your guests, if you're, you know, saying it, with a smile, with some exclamations on that text. Yeah. Yeah. Some emojis, right? A little couple little earth emojis and you keep it lighthearted. I think that probably goes a long way in keeping the eye rolls down perhaps from people who don't live like you and I do. I also want to say too, that it's your house, it's your rules, right? If people have a big issue with this not heavy lift ask, then they don't have to attend, right? It is not a heavy lift at all. I mean, and it makes them, I mean, I would think too, it's just like, okay, think about, just think one more second about what you're going to bring. Buy that six pack in a can. It doesn't take that much. It's honestly a tiny ask. And if everybody did that, we'd be in a lot better place. So you mentioned guests bringing stuff and most of the time guests with manners say, what can I bring? I'm wondering, how do you answer that question? What do you ask for? And also a little spin on that question is when you are going to somebody else's gathering, what do you bring? I'm the wine person. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I'm... I, I try to do the cooking. I'm not the best. I'm, I'm very mediocre, but I do have, I think, a good a good sniffer when it comes to wine. So I'm I'm the wine person, and then I feel okay about it because it is in a glass. It's going to be recycled. It's okay. Oftentimes, people want to drink out of a wine glass, so it's not going into a red cup. So you know, I feel I feel good about that. When when people are bringing things, again, I think my my bigger go to is just kind of like the bigger no plastic thing, because then I don't have to be too dictatorial about you can only bring this or that. If people are, are willing to make something and bring it, that's wonderful because again, then you're not buying something from the store that is probably packaged in some kind of plastic or what have you. And I always love, you know, something from home, something, something cooked in the kitchen. I tend to ask and I also tend to bring wine when I'm the guest because, (laughs) first of all, I love wine. That's no shock to any listener. But the other reason is because if it doesn't get opened that evening, it's not going to go to waste. It can sit on a shelf for years and years and years and get better with time. So I'm not contributing to food waste if perhaps it's not something that's wanted. I will also say for my fellow wine lovers, recork.com will give you lists of wineries that use natural cork stoppers. So if you don't want that plastic lined metal screw top, you should go to recork.com. Just a little tip for my fellow wine. Love that. (laughs) Yeah, my fellow wine lovers. 
We're going to talk all about preventing food waste, which is another big problem when it comes to entertaining and particularly holidays after a quick word from this week's sponsor. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Gemist. I can never find shampoo that works for me, and I'm tired of investing in products that don't work for my hair. That's why I'm thrilled to have found Gemist. I took their quick quiz, then their algorithm matched me with the right shampoo and conditioner for me. It's not magic, it's science. Gemist has addressed my biggest hair concerns, like its frizziness for one, and my hair's now soft, clean, and definitely less frizzy. Even better, I'm no longer wasting money and resources on the wrong products. And did I mention that Gemist is also free of parabens, dyes, and sulfates? Right now, my listeners can give Gemist a try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner smart subscription. Smart subscribers already save 20% on each order, so this is an amazing deal. And with free two-day shipping, you can have it this weekend. Just visit Gemist.com to get your personalized recommendation and enter Minimalist at checkout for 20% off your subscription and free two-day shipping. That's G-E-M-M-I-S-T dot com and enter code Minimalist at checkout to get the best hair of your life. And we're back with Lauren Groper, the founder and CEO of Repurpose. We are talking all about eco-friendly entertaining. And Lauren, we need to talk about food waste. Food waste is terrible, in my opinion, because when we're wasting food, we're not just wasting the food item, but we're also, in my opinion, wasting all the resources that went into growing or raising the food item. And I should say here that I am... Armenian. And so our holidays, our cookouts, our 4th of July, which is in two weeks, all of these gatherings are going to be anchored by an excessive amount of (laughs) ethnic food, like too much, too much, too much. It's almost as if in our culture, as in many cultures, this isn't just Armenian culture, but in many cultures, like abundance of food, too much food is a sign of respect and love for those who came. And so all that to say, as a host, I am consciously trying to rein in this food abundance because often food abundance leads to food waste. What are your tips here as we as hosts seek to prevent that food waste, not only during the party, but maybe perhaps beforehand when we're planning that menu? I mean, that is a tough one. It's really hard, as you said, because people are celebrating and they want to bring all these things and show how much they care. And I think one thing that that people can really think about here is just making it a plant-based menu because that in itself is a much more sustainable way to party. It's a much lower carbon footprint. And oftentimes you can repurpose plant-based items into something else the next day. So that is one way that's just like a quick and easy go-to. And obviously there's people that, you know, like their, their meat and fish and whatnot, but if you can recommend it to be a plant-based menu or plant that way, that is a great way to go. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned earlier making some parties, plastic-free parties, and 
putting that out in the text chain. I do something sort of similar, which is I tell people to bring their own Tupperware for leftovers. I never have the plastic Tupperwares in my house. I never keep them because I don't store food in plastic if I can help it. So I don't have the extras. I say, you know, friends and family, smiley face, if you want leftovers, you're going to need to bring your Tupperware and you shouldn't feel awkward about doing so. Like, I want to give you food. I want to prevent this abundance from going to waste. So just bring your own Tupperware. And then you don't have to, like, give me the Tupperware back and, like, it'd be super weird. So (laughs) (laughs) I will say, too, that whenever possible... Freezing certain items, that's a great way to not only prevent food waste, but save yourself from cooking down the line. A lot of things can be frozen, especially if it's plant-based. And especially even if you're a meat-eating household, no judgment, like you can freeze that. (laughs) So I used to also, I used to have a bias about frozen fruits and veggies. And then I actually, I forget who it was, it was a chef on Instagram, but they had done a whole piece on recipes with frozen frozen fruit and veggies that turned out amazing and looked amazing. And they basically really were, were touting the benefits of these frozen fruits and veggies. So no shame there. I think freeze what you've got. It, it's all good. Yeah. And your answer there has nothing to do with what I'm about to say, but it made me think of this. <laughs> <laughs> we're having a fete for 4th of July. And people are starting to ask, well, what can I bring? What can I bring? When I, in the planning stages, I really try and get smart about answering that question by asking people to bring what I know my core family of four will eat if there's leftovers. So for example, my mother just asked what to bring. I asked her to bring a fruit salad. And now ordinarily you'd think, oh no, a fruit salad is going to get liquidy and mushy really quick. That might be the case, but I know that my kids are going to devour whatever's left of that fruit salad on July 5th. So that would work. I don't know if that helps anybody, and I hope it does. We have to move along to talk about the decor. Fourth of July for my American listeners, that's coming up. That tends to be, I don't know, streamers and flags. But birthday parties tends to be balloons. Holidays tend to be... I don't know, whatever you have stored in your basement. When it comes to the decor for your gathering, do you have any tips for listeners to dress up the party without trashing the planet? It's another tough one. and uh, Maybe that's the next product line for repurpose. (laughs) (laughs) Decor. Balloons are tough because obviously kid birthday parties, they love balloons and balloons are terrible. There are balloons that are natural latex that are there. There are kind of controversies as to whether they are truly compostable or not. I think it's, it's all about just sort of like, okay, if you need to have the balloons, minimize the balloons, because I know it's like, let's not take all the fun out of the party. Kids love balloons, but it's about kind of just minimizing the balloons. There's tons of decor that also is made for paper. Paper can be recycled. Paper can be reused. We have, for example, these garlands that I've probably used four or five times already. (laughs) I mean, to the degree that you can get sort of stuff that is just not super, super disposable that might last more than one party, that is, that's a huge, that's a huge just savings in terms of buying and rebuying and buying and rebuying all this 
trashy, mostly plastic stuff. I like to think about kind of what is it made from that's not plastic? And then maybe can I get it a little better quality so that I can use it again or make it maybe gender neutral so I can use it in multiple parties and multiple ages. Those to me are, again, it makes it fun. It makes you be more creative instead of just getting like, you know, the nasty stuff. But sometimes it's hard because, you know, the kids want their favorite cartoon character and they have to have that. And that's the theme of the party. And you're, you're stuck with using some of that, but you can use less of it. Maybe not every piece of the party has to be Peppa Pig. Maybe it can be just, you can use some Peppa Pig napkins and maybe you use less balloons. It's just, I don't want to take the fun out of it. I mean, to my whole approach to sustainability too is about sustainable abundance. If we just use better products and, and thought a little bit more and, and had a more thoughtful approach to it, we don't have to take the fun away. It's not about use less, the guilt factor and, and shaming. It's about use products that were designed better that don't have the same kind of footprint or impact and therefore you can have the fun and use it and not worry about it and so that's kind of the approach i like to take let's not take the fun out of everything let's let's look to products that do a better job being sustainable so that we can use them and and then maybe there'll be an even bigger market for them and there'll be more and more and more availability of these kinds of products for everybody. I love that. I love that you're saying, you know, thoughtful abundance as opposed to taking the fun out of celebrations. I really respect and appreciate what you're doing with Repurpose because you're essentially doing just that. As a host, I don't want to be chained to the kitchen sink, washing all the dishes, right? I want to be out entertaining. Hello, I'm a extrovert. I want to be out there. I want to be chit-chatting. I don't want to be washing all the dishes or all the fine china, perhaps, at the holiday. And so I guess that brings me to perhaps my most important question of the evening, <laughs> which is, why did you feel called to start this company? Great question. <laughs> Because I'm crazy. No, because I had been doing sustainable design work for buildings. So working on mostly kind of office towers and apartment buildings and hotels, making them more sustainable. And I ended up coming to LA to do sustainable design for film and television sets. And on the sets, we would make these beautiful state-of-the-art sustainable sets, but we would use like plastic all day, every day on, you know, behind the scenes. And it just sort of felt like, how, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. And this can't be, there's got to be a better way. But what was interesting about that specific industry is that there wasn't a choice to use something that was not disposable. Just the nature of filmmaking is that it's, it's everything is constantly moving from one location to another. So you can't, even if it's a studio, it's difficult. It moves quickly. You need to be using disposable products. So it was this interesting kind of design challenge to me in a way. Like how could, how could we find something that was still disposable, but that was made in a more sustainable manner? I felt compelled to do something about this problem that I knew was only going to get bigger and wasn't going away. And I was really excited by using sort of my design background and then 
business as a tool for this kind of change, to use the business as a way to get people to to switch their behavior. Because if we could only just come in with a, a product that is designed better at an accessible price point at the places where people shop, there's really no reason for them not to choose it. That's sort of been our the ethos of our whole company. I think why we've been successful is because we make it accessible, we make it fun, we make it as easy as we possibly can. I received a question from a listener recently, and she asked me whether compostable products like yours start decomposing when you know you have some liquidy item on or in them. Can you speak to that? They do not. So compostable products do not break down when there's a liquidy item on them. You need a very hot, humid, and oxygenated environment for them to break down and time. And so even if there's liquidy, you know, anything on it, no, it will not decompose. You need those those three elements for it to fully break down. You heard it here first, listeners. Your compostable plates will not decompose <laughs> as you're eating. <laughs> That's something, too, that I think is really important. That I think in the past, products that were uh, labeled as eco-friendly or green or sustainable didn't perform or weren't as durable as the traditional product they were designed to replace. And so there's this sort of you know, stigma or sort of bad rap associated with eco-friendly cleaning or eco-friendly, like the products that we make. However, what we've really, what we've done is make products that do have that durability that meet, like we are not going to put a product, you know, out there that doesn't meet that level of performance and that durability so that people don't have to sacrifice what they're used to from that perspective. I mean, it's still a disposable item at the end of the day, but no, your liquid is not going to seep through your plate kind of thing. Your fork and spoon are not going to melt. Your knife is not going to break, you know, when you're using it. So that's something that was very important to us from the get-go, kind of getting past that stigma of, oh, well, if I'm using eco, I have to sacrifice quality. No, you do not. I forgot which guest made a similar point to what you just made. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to find out which guest said this. And then I'm going to add him or her to the show notes for credit. But essentially, he or she said that an eco-friendly product needs to work just as well or even better than the conventional product that it's replacing. Correct. Exactly. So where can listeners find repurposes products? Are you in stores? Are you solely online? Where can we get your items just in time for the 4th of July? We are everywhere. You can find us on our website, repurpose.com, on Amazon, at Whole Foods, or your local grocery store, wherever you shop. Well, Lauren, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You've given me a lot to think about, and I'm certain you've imparted an awful lot of knowledge onto my listeners. So thank you so much for giving me your time. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lauren Groper, founder and CEO of Repurpose. I have linked to Repurpose as well as everything else we talked about today and this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 
1-800-242-1189. I have nothing to say today in the outro. None of you have called me. None of you have emailed me. We have no eco tips. So I'm going to say goodbye. Write to me, please. I'm feeling a little lonely. I will see you next week where we are talking all about how to curate an eco-friendly and non-toxic home. See you then. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.